Hey, welcome. And uh oh, we just crashed right on my welcome. No, we didn't. Oh, that. Up here. I see the words there. I don't see the words here. Anyway, it doesn't matter. We'll just move on anyway. There it is. And uh, uh, if you've not lived here long in the Ozarks, welcome to an Ozarks winter. God bless you all for being here. Uh, hey, let's uh, sing together for uh, this uh, opening song, Because He Lives. I'm alive. I'm alive because He lives. Let's go into this new year knowing that our life comes from the Lord Jesus Christ. seated. 
Well, Happy New Year. Happy New Year. Well, amen. We're just inside the door of a new year, literally, and it's a blessing to be back. It's a blessing to be anywhere because uh, Natalie and I went off to Poplar Bluff area, Dexter. It was near there to do the wedding this weekend, and the car was very sick, snatching, jerking. I thought, this, this is it. We're going to be on the side of the road. I did at least take a weapon with me, but I figure we're going to be on the side of the road, and it's not good. And so we made it to the hotel, and we went out to eat, and it was sicker then when we got back in it. I thought, I woke up at 3 o'clock in the morning, and I thought, Lord, you got to help us. I've got to make it over 50 minutes from here in the morning to do a rehearsal, make it back to the hotel, pick up Natalie, go back 50 miles, do the wedding and, come, and go all the way home. I thought, there's no way this is going to work. Lord, you've got to help us. Well, that Buick fired up the next morning and ran like a charm. <laughs> so I thought, Lord, thank you for the new year. Uh, ended first part of uh, 31st thinking this is not good for the first. But thank the Lord. He's gracious. Uh, Paul often gave pastoral encouragement. Let me give you one this morning. Out of 1 Thessalonians verse 4. This is all about the gospel and how it comes with power. Listen, for we know, brothers, loved by God, that he has chosen you. And how did Paul know this? Because our gospel came to you not only in word, but also in power. And in the Holy Spirit, and with full conviction. And then if you're looking at 1 Thessalonians 1, just let your eyes fall down to verse 9. What will be the consequence when the gospel comes with power and conviction aided with the agency of the Holy Spirit? Listen, for they themselves report concerning the kind of reception we had among you. And where did that happen? Acts chapter 17 when the gospel comes to Thessalonica. And listen to what happened. How you turned to God from idols to serve the living and true God. And to wait for his son from heaven, whom he raised from the dead, Jesus, who delivers us from the wrath to come. So my mind has been flooded for 2022 with a good subject. It's called our gospel, right? This is what we need to be living. And this text reminds us of three very important things we can think about. First, the scripture says you turn to God. What does that mean? Well, there's a separation from the past. Aren't you thankful? That Jesus saved us. If any man be in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed and new has come. Don't forget about the separation from the past. And if you're lost today, understand something clearly. Uh, Jesus Christ has the power to save. The convicting power of the word, coupled with the agency of the Holy Spirit of God, is the power of God unto salvation to those that believe. We thank the Lord for salvation. So separation from the past... We need to be thankful for where God has brought us from. Amen. And then the text says to serve the living and true God. So there's a separation from the past. There's a consecration for the present. Maybe you went through 2021 and you can't describe your Christian pilgrimage as one of service. Well, I've got news for you. When God saves you, he saves you unto service. We are called by God to serve the living and true God. And then finally, and to wait for his son from heaven. Separation from the past consecration of the present, and a future expectation. An expectation for the future. 
Have I told you lately that the Son of God is coming again? History is not cyclical. Just continual cycles going around in circles. History is linear with purpose. The Son of God is coming again. I hope that encourages you for this year. God help me think about the gospel and how it's changed my life radically. And that separation from the past where we turned from sin and self and trusted Christ. And then the present time on, on the face of the earth where we need, we need to be consecrated to serve the Lord. And then that expectation for the future. The Son of God is coming again. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Well, I'm not preaching this morning other than that little sermonette. But Dr. Harrison is. And so we welcome you, Dr. Harrison, back with us, Dr. Rodney Harrison. Uh, he first served uh, in our state, I guess for the most of the time, as a vice president of academic affairs at Midwestern Seminary. Uh, Y'all know Bredo goes there now and spoke about that a couple of weeks ago. And so he served there 18 years. And for the last three, have we hit three years that you've been the two? It feels like you've been around forever. Uh, He's been the Baptist home president and God raised him up at a crucial time in the life of Missouri Baptists to see that transition of the Baptist home back under the umbrella of Missouri Baptist. Uh, I serve on the trustee board. I don't know if that's a good thing, Dr. Harrison, or a bad thing, but uh, it's been a blessing to watch the Lord work. Uh, He and Julie, his wife, live in Holt, Missouri, and he's a member of First Baptist Kearney. Uh, He's a faithful member of his church, not just the president of the Baptist home, but he actually goes to church. Isn't that a wonderful thing? Amen. So I I welcome you back with us today to bring the word. We had scheduled for tonight a time where Dr. Harrison would kind of do all things Baptist home. I mean, it's right here beside us. You need to know what that's about. Well, we're going to put that one off. Uh, Our target audience is pretty much... 55 and older, Uh, or if you've got a loved one that you're thinking about maybe a part of the Baptist home. And and again, this is a lot bigger than just senior adults, but we feel like since our target audience is going to be down tonight because it's so cold and icy, we're going to put that off and we'll let you know soon when we're going to do the Sunday night Baptist home, okay? So just one service today and we won't have the 4 o'clock. We had moved it from 6 to 4. We're not going to have that tonight. No services here tonight. And also remember, no Wednesday night. Because kids don't go back to school till Thursday. So no Wednesday night. All right? Well, praise the Lord. Let's pray. And we'll continue in worship. And then at the preaching segment, we'll have Dr. Harrison come and bring the word. Okay? Psalm 71. If you want to have your Bible, just thump that thing and say Psalm 71. It ought to spring open to it. Right? Because you're in the Word all the time. And you may have read Psalm 71 in the last couple of weeks, right? Here's another thing you can do. I'm on a roll. You can read all the way through the Proverbs and the Psalms, right? In a month. If you'll read the 31 Proverbs and you'll read, how many Psalms would that be a day? Five. You will read through the Psalms and Proverbs every month. All right, let's do that this year. Maybe a little challenge to you. Let's pray. Great God, you're so good to us, Father, and we acknowledge your sovereign rule. We acknowledge, Lord Jesus, that you have all authority, and we thank you that we can go into this year knowing that, Lord, uh, we can make our plans, but you direct our steps, Lord, and we trust you uh, 
Lord, give us gospel uh, engagement encounters. Lord, just thinking of Acts 8 uh, with Philip in obedience to the Holy Spirit to share the gospel to the Ethiopian eunuch. Lord, help us to look for gospel opportunities to share uh, the story uh, of the amazing saving grace of the Lord Jesus as we meet others this year. Uh, Lord, help us to serve you faithfully as we've learned from 1 Thessalonians. And Father, give us a perspective where we know that you are in control and that the Lord Jesus will return soon. Bless the preaching of the word. Give us ears to hear, hearts to be, that are receptive. May you bring the gospel with power to a lost person's heart this day. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Amen, amen. Well, knowing that we had a guest speaker today, you know the first thing I thought of? I'm going to see the Chiefs kickoff. <laughs> and then I meet... And then I meet the pastor this morning, and he says, well, I've got a few words. <laughs> Go straight to my TV app and set the DVR. All right. Hey, we're going to sing a great, great old hymn that reminds us to give God all the praise. And let's, do, let's stand and uh, say Psalm uh, 95, 1 through 3, before we sing this song, all right? Oh, come, let us sing to the Lord. Let us make a joyful noise to the rock of our salvation. Let us come into his presence with thanksgiving. Let us make a joyful noise to him with songs of praise. For the Lord is a great God and a great King above all gods. Oh uh-huh. 
talks about the church marching forward, doing all in the name of Jesus. Let's sing it together, O church arise.
phrase that keeps on just ringing in my head is lift your eyes. How often are we, do we have our eyes down here on, on things we should be doing? Good things. Things serving God, right? But things. But we've got to lift our eyes. That's, that maybe is one of my mottos for 22 is keep your eyes lifted unto Jesus. Amen. And we'll do that if we remember that He's our foundation. Let's sing this great old hymn. The church's one foundation is Jesus Christ As we keep our eyes up, right, we remember that He's coming again. Let's sing this great song that reminds us that He is, in fact, coming again. Revelation 22, starting with verse 6. Let's read together. And He said to me, These words are trustworthy and true, and the Lord, the God of the spirits of the prophets, have sent His angels to show His servants what must take place. And behold, I am coming soon. Blessed is the one who keeps the words of the prophecy of this book. Let's go. 
the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. Pastor Phil, it is a privilege to be with First Baptist Church Ozark. Uh, it's a joy to be actually invited back again. I, I think probably the first time I came was November of last year, and uh, I figured I was probably re-invited to see if I'd learned how to preach or something since then. So hopefully, uh, hopefully we'll have a great journey together in God's Word this morning. We will be in Psalm 71, so I do invite you to uh, turn in your Bible to Psalm 71. 
You know, I want you to just imagine for a moment. I was in Sunday school a few minutes ago, and uh, in, in the class, one of the members made a, a comment, and I thought it was a very pertinent comment because it's relevant to all of us, and that is, isn't it amazing or interesting how our class prayer requests have changed? Now, think about it. Over time, right now, some of you are probably thinking about what am I going to do for a career? Where am I going to go to college? What will I do when I finish high school? Others are wondering, where am I going to go to work? Um, you know, once I'm done, uh, what, you know, who should I marry? But there will be a point when all of us, our prayer requests start changing. And so this morning in our Sunday school class, which was a group of men and women who were all younger than I am. I mean, I'm the old guy there, okay? I'm kind of looking and going, yeah, yeah, you know. They're talking about their kids, and they're talking, and I'm, you know, I'm talking about my 10 grandkids, okay? You know, I want to talk about the grandkids. You know, I've got a grandson that, that's in the military in Honolulu, which I was in the military, and they never sent me to Honolulu. I mean, oh, boy, what was Uncle Sam thinking, you know, sending him to Honolulu? So, you know, I've got some older grandkids, and they're talking about their, their children, but then the conversation and prayer requests went to parents, to the parents. And I remember when that became our prayer request, my wife and I. We would be in our small group and we'd start praying for our parents because they started having more medical needs. And I want you just to a moment, kind of imagine, imagine being called by your mother at work. She's very agitated. The plumber stole my remote. What? What, mom? The plumber stole the remote control. I can't use the television. And so you start talking to your mom, and you realize, well, yeah, well, you knew that the plumber was coming because the, you, know, you needed to, to, to fix the drain that was slow there in the, the sink. And, and you're trying to talk your mom into the fact that, no, the plumber probably didn't take the remote. It's just probably, you know, in the couch. No, the plumber stole my remote. And she's very, very upset about this. And so finally you tell your mom, okay, I'll call the plumbing company. And you call them, and they assure you that none of their plumbers would take the remote. But finally, after you talk to your mom again, you call back the plumbing company. They give you the cell phone for the plumber who was actually out and cleaned up the drain. And he said, look, I'll, I'll even check just to make sure it didn't get in a toolbox. He said, no, I don't have the remote. I assure you, we don't have the remote. And so your mother's so aggravated, so you finally, you, you go to your boss, I need to take a couple hours off, I'll, I'll, I'll work late tonight, I've got to go talk to my mom. You drive across town, and your mother's so agitated because the plumber stole the remote control. And so finally you say, okay, mom, wh why don't we... Why don't we just relax for a few minutes, okay? Let me make some, some coffee for us. And so you go make some coffee, and you go to the refrigerator to get some creamer, and, and there's the remote control sitting in the refrigerator. Or it's Christmas, and you travel home to visit your, your parents. And it's something that you look forward to every year. And, you know, over the course of the year, you've been talking to your dad about, you know, how he loves his new Buick, and, um, you know, and so, you know, that's one of the things that, you know, you and your dad talk about. You talk about cars and stuff on the phone. And so you go and, and you know, hey, dad, how do you like the new Buick? Oh, yeah, 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 we, we like it well. And you, you go into the garage and you look at the Buick and it, every corner of that Buick has scratches or small little dents. And then you realize the garage has scratches and dents. And 
you, you go out to eat with your parents and you're, you're really fearing for your life. And so on the way home, you turn to your spouse and say, honey, when do we need to take the keys away? You see, most of us, most pastors, most church members, we're really not equipped and experts in these areas. We're not really sure how to navigate this season of life. And really, that's where Baptist Homes and Healthcare Ministries comes in. Uh, we are kind of the experts on aging. That's what we focus on. And we're a ministry that's been around since 1913. So it's a real joy and a privilege to be here. But I'm not here just to talk about Baptist Homes. I'm here to talk about God and His plan for us as we age. And so, you know, this, this introduction is to help us understand that there is a fear and there are challenges associated with aging. These are not new. And by the way, if, if you're not there yet to where you're aging, you probably will get to that point. And by the way, a lot of things change. I can't do what I did when I was 20 and in the military, and I definitely can't do what I was when I was 40. I could still do a lot more, and there's a lot that I can't do that I would, was doing when I was 50. About the only thing I still do is stupid, Okay. <laughs> So, you know, today I'm going to be talking about a foundation that we need to build on, and you'll appreciate this. Uh, for Christmas, my wife gave me a, a platform stand. It's, it's one that I'm going to put my deer blind on, okay? But it's a 12-foot a platform, and I've got it all put together, and the only thing I have to do now is attach the pre-installed ladder. There's a ladder that, you know, you, you attach to the blind, and I'm at the top, and I'm going, you know what? I don't really need to secure it to the ground, you know, I'm just going to be up there, attach one more bolt to a nut. You know, get, here's the nut, here's the bolt. I attach it, and I'm done. Well, I, I get up this ladder, and, I, well, that's not going to work. So I go down, and I get an extension ladder from the garage, and I put the extension ladder against the blind, and I thought, okay, I'll just reach over. Reach over a little bit more. Reach over. <laughs> Twelve feet. <laughs> For the next 15 minutes, I'm making in a, a kind of an organ recital, okay? Hands work, <laughs> arms work, shoulders work. Okay? That works. Feet work. Ankles, eh, sore, but they work. So eventually, after about 25 minutes of laying on the ground, I finally get up. And that's when I realized how stupid that had been. And you know what? I've managed to go through 60-plus years of stupid, okay? And I still haven't mastered that. But you know what my problem was? The foundation. It wasn't secure. There was mud from the rains that we had had. And so there, you know, when, when that weight, it just kind of went over. So bottom line is we're going to be talking about what God's Word has to say to us about this process and the challenge of aging and, um, you know, there are a couple of people that I, I just love in the Bible. They're, they're, they're what I call some of the heroes of faith. And in the Old Testament, that's going to be Moses. In the New Testament, you know, of course, Jesus. But, you know, the human personality would be Paul, who we heard from this morning through Pastor Phil. But you know what's interesting about Paul and Moses is both spoke to the challenges of aging. When I was here last year, I preached from 2 Corinthians, where Paul talks about the challenges of aging and the fact that the body is 
deteriorating. He talked about the fact that, you know, one of the challenges is that as we get older, we can't do. Our strength wanes. Moses spoke about the same thing. And this morning, we're going to consider another writer whose identity is, is unknown. And I think there's a reason for that, because this could be Mr. or Mrs. Anyman, almost. This could be almost anyone. It's one of those psalms that does not ascribe authorship. But this person's prayer is recorded in song in Scripture. So join me as I read from Psalm 71. We're going to start with verse 9. I'm going to be reading verses 9 through 12, and uh, then verse 18 as well. And then we're going to unpack the rest of the chapter. But in honor of the reading of God's Word, would you stand with me as we hear God's Word this morning? Psalm 71, beginning with verse 9. Do not cast me off in time of old age. Forsake me not when my strength is spent, for my enemies speak concerning me, and those who watch for my life consult together and say, God has forsaken him, pursue him and seize him, for there is none to deliver him. O God, be not far from me. O my God, make haste to help me. So even to old age and gray hairs, O God, do not forsake me until I proclaim your might to another generation, your power to all those to come. Father, we pray that you would bless not only the hearing of your word, but Father, the the unpacking of it to our lives. Lord, we might be able to make relevant application of your truth today for the glory of your kingdom and the furtherance of the gospel of Jesus Christ of whom this testimony that we have read of today and that we will read more of today speaks of. For it is in Jesus' name we pray, amen and amen. Please be seated. Psalm 71 is a direct address to God. The petitioner is, as I mentioned, not identified. Some say it could be a psalm of David. Some say it might be Jeremiah. But the reality is Scripture does not identify who wrote this psalm. What we do know very clearly is that the writer of this psalm felt overwhelmed and needed the Lord's help and protection. The psalm is truly a ready-made and available source of encouragement and guidance for those of us whose prayers have become a plea. And that is why I've entitled this message, When Prayer Becomes a Plea. Because there are times in all of our lives when we have a prayer and we're kind of wondering, God, did you hear that prayer? When are you going to respond? I I need an answer yesterday and I'm still praying today. Now, I know in my years that has happened to me many times. And I think I can say with confidence that God's timing is always better than mine. Now, do I still have to learn that lesson? Yes, it gets repeated frequently. You know, I'd kind of like COVID to go away. Being in healthcare, I would like it to go away. God's timing is not my timing. And yet, what has COVID allowed Baptist homes to do? Well, how about buy nursing homes for like five to 10 cents on the dollar? You know, God is doing something in our midst that we would have never thought of, and yet I keep on hoping and praying that this COVID thing will go away. But God says, now watch what I do. And that is what we see in this passage. The psalm is characterized by hope. The writer starts by offering a written account of God's 
righteous deeds. He uses actually the word Yahweh here. He, he's speaking to the Lord God, the I am that I am. And what is interesting is in many ways, this is a testimony. In Sunday school this morning, Andy talked about the power of our personal testimony. And in many ways, this is a personal testimony unfolding in Psalm 71 that should be an encouragement to us regardless of our age this morning. The first four verses recount God's faithfulness. God's faithfulness. In verse 3, the writer refers to God as my rock. I talked about building on the right foundation. The foundation is the rock. He uses a term that in the New Testament clearly refers to Jesus Christ as the rock that we must build our lives on. I shared an illustration of what happens when you build your life on the foundation of mud. I'm still picking out gravel from my palms as I hit the ground going, this is not good. What was not good? Well, it was the foundation. I, I had tried to put something together on a bad foundation. Imagine a life that is built on a wrong foundation. And so the, the writer talks about the fact that God is his rock and the starting place for you and I. And a great starting place for this new year is to recognize God must be the foundation of our decision-making, of our relationships, of our priority, of our stewardship of, relationship, of, of resources and relationships. When we have God as our foundation, we have a good beginning. If we build our lives on anything other than that rock, we start having frustration and a lack of fulfillment. You know, it's amazing as we move into the time of the bowl games that are almost over and yay, Arkansas, yay, okay, good, good. Um, but you know, as we move into the bowl games and then, of course, the Super Bowl, there's a lot of superstars out there. And of course, in Kansas City, we have this guy named Patrick something, okay, Patrick Mahone. And you know, what's interesting is Patrick is one who has been supportive of some really cool ministries, Financially, I mean, he's helped like the restoration house. But it's interesting, in he, when he was talking to one of the directors of missions, he talked about, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm looking for something that will really fulfill me. And he's trying to do it with money. Guess what? He's not going to find it there. Here's a man who has so much money, we, wouldn't, we can't even fathom it. And yet he was telling one of our pastors, I'm looking for fulfillment. And, and he's trying to buy this fulfillment. You know, I think of so many athletes, financial greats, um, celebrities, and yet their lives are reported as unfulfilled. We have to have the right foundation. And this morning, if you're here and, and the Lord has brought you here because you're trying to figure out how do you build your life? Where do you build your life? Let me just tell you right now, build it on the solid foundation of Jesus Christ and his word. Okay, and we're going to talk about that towards the end of this message. But right now, you can say, Lord, I'm going to build my life upon you. Just say that right now. God, I'm going to build my life on you and your word. The next set of verses, after we get to these first four verses that recount God's faithfulness in the past, are verses that remind us of God's help in the past. So the author started his life on this right foundation, but now that things are going bad, think about it. What we read about 
in our scripture reading, don't cast me off. Don't forsake me. My enemies, the feeling of God's forsakenness, you know, being alone. Whoa, okay. That's where the author is right now. So he starts by saying, but I started my life on the right rock, the foundation. Then he starts recounting what God has done in the past. A reminder of God's previous provision. He says, for you, O Lord, are my hope, my trust. O Lord, from my youth. And at this moment, the the writer is kind of reminding us of God's faithfulness in the past. Think back to your salvation, to that time when you said, Lord, I admit that I'm a sinner and and I need your, your grace and your salvation because I'm on a path that leads to hell. I'm on the wrong path. Think about that time when you were saved. This morning in our class when we were talking about testimonies, we got to hear several of our class members share their testimony of God taking them from that point of need where we recognize that that we were separated from God and that we didn't have that hope, we didn't have that assurance of salvation and coming to that moment of grace and faith. I had the joy of sharing my testimony. I call mine the chocolate chip cookie testimony. Yeah, I was raised in a Christian home, but being raised in a Christian home doesn't make you a Christian any more than going to McDonald's makes you a Big Mac. It just doesn't work that way, okay? And I was actually the kid that my older brother, he always kind of went to church like, yay, it's Sunday, we go to church. I'm going, it's Sunday, and I have to go to church. And I didn't want to be there. I wanted to be outside fishing, and I wanted to be exploring, and I wanted to be playing with my friends who didn't have to go to church. I didn't really want to be there. And one day I, I came home, and I, I opened the door to the, to the aroma of fresh baked cookies. Does that ring a bell for anybody? It's a good smell, isn't it? Okay. And so there's this fresh baked cookie. I go into the kitchen thinking, <laughs> cookies. All right. No, no. My mom said, uh, these are for your brother's birthday party tomorrow. Don't touch the cookies. And there were some that she was taking off the cooling rack and putting into the cookie jar. There were others that were being put onto the cooling rack. And she said, don't touch the cookies. My mom went outside to work in the the yard, and I'm sitting alone in the kitchen. You can guess what happens. So I get the little stool, I reach up, I grab the cookie jar, and as I grab the cookie jar, the front door opens and slams shut. And my brother hollers out, Mom, I'm home! I jerk my hand away from the cookie jar. While doing so, I pull the cookie jar off the counter, onto the tile floor, crash, goes the cookie jar, Cookies are everywhere, glass is everywhere. I exit stage right. My brother runs into the kitchen. My mother hears the noise from outside. She runs into the kitchen, and I nonchalantly walk into the room and go, Doug, what did you break the cookie jar for? And I got away with the perfect crime. My mother said, Douglas Craig Harrison, go to your room. She's, I'm even helping clean the mess up. Okay, I'm helping clean the mess up. My brother's vehemently denying it, but hey, he's in the kitchen. There's a broken cookie jar. Yeah, that was enough to convict. I couldn't sleep that night. And we had a cuckoo clock, and I remember it going off 10 times, and then I remember it 11 times. And you know what happened is that night I suddenly realized my problem wasn't that I had sinned. 
Oh, I had sinned. I had lied to my parents. I had falsely accused my brother. I disobeyed my mother. I mean, there's a whole litany of sins just in that one act. False testimony. Wow. One thing, and I could go through a litany of sin, but you know what? The problem wasn't the sin. That night I suddenly realized the problem was I was a sinner. And that was a nature. And I didn't like it. And all those Sunday school lessons and sermons that I didn't really like hearing kind of came to life, and I realized Jesus Christ died to pay the penalty of my sin. He came, and he took upon himself. He said, you know what? I'm going to take on the penalty of sin, which is death for you, Rod. And that night, I just simply got out of my bed, got on my knees. I don't know why I got on my knees. I just thought maybe that's the right thing to do. This was like serious business. But I got on my knees, and I said, Jesus Forgive me of my sin, and I, I want you to come into my life and take control. I don't want to live like this. And I asked him to come into my heart and life and to give me the gift of eternal life. And I, I was just so excited, and I thank God for, for that gift of eternal life. And I, I hopped back into bed, and I went to sleep right away. Next morning, I got up, and I confessed my sins. And yes, I got punished, but I accepted it joyfully. And I started telling people about Jesus. There was a change in my life. You know, every now and then I have to go back to that testimony just like the psalmist is doing. And he went back and he looked and said, this is what God has done in my life. He talked about God's provision and help in the past. One more story and I'm going to quickly get on to the, the, the text here. But several years ago my son was in college and he went to a very secular college. It was a great engineering school, but it really was challenging his faith. And he was like the only Christian in his group in an engineering school. And they were pretty much all atheists and Gnostics and nobody, you know, it's like science, science, science. And um, his faith was being challenged at this time. And one of the big things that, you know, you had to have as an engineering student was a really good, strong, robust computer. This is in the year uh, 2000. And so, you know, he had worked all summer to buy a new computer and, uh, you know, bought it. It was, like, really expensive back then, like $4,000. And he bought that computer. It was just exactly what he needed. And, like, two days later, it's stolen. What are, what are you going to do? And he calls me up, like, in, you know, hey, Dad, okay, is the bank open? No, the bank's no longer open. I just paid tuition. Okay, no bank here, okay? What am I going to do? And he was really upset, and he, he felt for the first time the injustice. I mean, isn't that an injustice, someone stealing your property? They violate you. And he felt this injustice. <clears throat> I said, hey, Josh, have you prayed? You see, he'd gone everywhere but to the Lord. He'd gone to the campus police. He had gone to the, the RA, the resident person that, you know, helps the dorms. He had gone to everybody. And I said, Josh, have you prayed? And I remember him saying, what good will that do? I said, well, and we talked about his faith. And he said, yeah, no, I, I, I know I'm a believer. Well, do you believe in prayer? But he said, what can that do? And we prayed. And it was a long prayer. And we prayed until I started realizing he's really now praying. Okay? So we pray. 
The next day, he's at the library using the computer at the library, which is absolutely an embarrassment. I mean, what kind of nerd, you know, low down has to go to the library to use a computer, right? So he's, he's there, and, and there's an email. There's an email from Dell Computer Corporation saying, Dear Joshua, uh, we have come out with a new computer that is really, really, really fast, and we were wondering, would you be willing to test it out? We're going to give you one to use, and it's similar to the one you just bought, but even better, faster, more powerful, and, and they delivered it the next day. Free! What a coincidence, right? No! Well, it wasn't like they were doing it for 200 customers. I called Dell. No, no, we just, we thought that your son would be a really good person to give us an evaluation of this computer. Really, wonder how you came about that idea. <laughs> you know, God at work. And, you know, my, my son now is, is nearing 40, and he goes back to that moment as a reminder of God's faithfulness. So those of you who are believers, think back to your salvation. Think back to, that, to your baptism. Think back to those times where you've testified of what God's done. Think back to those times where God has gotten you through those difficult times. That is exactly what the psalmist is doing. So he starts with a foundation, the rock. He goes back to look at God's help in the time of need. And then we move into what I call the central focus of the passage. So starting with verse 9 is the writer's plea. The writer's plea. First of all, he says, do not cast me off at the beginning of verse 9. Some translations read, do not discard me in my old age. You see, as one ages, the accomplishments that you realize through work and family and, and maybe outside organizations are no longer really present in your life. This can oftentimes lead to a feeling of being cast off or discarded. You know, things that you used to be a part of, maybe Rotary or some civic organization or some club, um, maybe your family. They're all dispersed all over the place. But the things that give you recognition, maybe your career, all of those are probably now no longer in the picture and it can lead to this feeling of being cast off. The psalmist is raising this concern to the Lord. You know, it's interesting. Sometimes as we age, we're a little bit like my son. We go to the, all the wrong places, and we don't go to the Lord. I love the fact that the psalmist goes to where he needs to go. He goes to the Lord. He cries out to God. His plea is, Lord, do not cast me off. He shares a real concern to a very real and listening God. He then goes on to write, forsake me not when my strength is spent. You know, the second part of verse 9 really addresses a reality that, that we're all going to face at some point. And that is, as one ages, the feelings of abandonment and strength being spent and vitality declining increase. The reality is, failing strength makes activities that were once second nature almost impossible or difficult. I, I think of my parents. Last year, my dad had the great privilege at age 87 to harvest his first deer. Now, you have to understand, he started deer hunting at age 16, okay? He harvested for his first deer. Pastor Phil kind of came to his rescue and helped out, getting him in the right place. And my dad harvested his first deer. What a joy. Phil, there is no way this year my dad could do what he did last year. The strength that he had at age 87 is no longer there. This year, he could not do that, that same trip. You know, it's fascinating as we grow older, things that we used to take as second nature, like just, you know, getting into a tub, 
taking a shower, going to the car. You know, all of those things, you know, just driving to the store, those things start to, to be gone because our strength is spent. And it's a real concern. And that concern can lead to fear and discouragement and, and isolation. And then the psalmist goes on to share the plea of God. Be not far from me in verse 12. As one ages, feelings of abandonment increase. The fear is amplified when maybe your family and loved ones are are not nearby. Think about it. Your friends, many of them have gone on to be with the Lord or have already, you've you've been at their funerals. And, you know, as my parents were saying, it it seems like every week we were attending a funeral for a while and it was their, their friends, their peers. And you start realizing, wow, I'm isolated here. You know, not only do you not have maybe family and friends nearby, but, but those that were in your, your small group, in your church group, they're no longer there. As my dad said, our Sunday school class, they, they, they go to a great church, but their class was the senior class, and it had like 60 seniors in it. They're down to four. <clears throat> four. Where, where did everybody go? Well, to be with the Lord. But it, you start feeling this, Lord, you're far from me. These were the fears the psalmist truly embraced. These are what he felt. And isn't it wonderful that God's word tells us it's okay to be that way? It's okay to articulate to God our greatest concerns and fears, and that's exactly what the author does. You see, honesty before God is an essential element of our faith. In Galatians chapter 6, the Apostle Paul writes, Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. If you try to hide your feelings from God, you're just being deceptive. It's foolish to go through life not being honest with God about our fears, our concerns, our anxieties. And that is what the psalmist does in the center of this passage. The final section of Psalm 71, though, focuses on the outcome of this process of being honest before God. And that is the outcome of what it means to walk in faith. Look at verse 20. You who have made me see my troubles and calamities will revive me again. From the depths of the earth you will bring me up again. He is speaking of resurrection. This is what happens when we have our life built on the right foundation. We have the hope of the resurrection of Jesus Christ We have just celebrated his incarnation, but in a few months, we're going to celebrate the resurrection. And this man who is going through all of these trials and fears and anxieties now suddenly realized, Lord, you are my hope and you will revive me again. You've seen me through the troubles. You've seen me through the calamities and I can have hope. And that is what we have who are in the faith that so many in the world are looking for. They're wanting hope, and hope is found in a relationship with Jesus Christ. I look at this psalm, and there is so much more that is there. He goes on to say, I will praise you for your faithfulness. I will praise you, O Holy One. My lips will shout for joy, for you my soul has redeemed. Redemption. This is in the Old Testament. But you know what redemption is? Redemption is what Jesus Christ did. He redeemed a worthless old sinner 
like me by paying the penalty of sin on my behalf. And the writer is looking forward to that redemption. You know, as I look at this psalm, I am so encouraged to realize that it was Psalm 71 verse 9 that became the theme verse for Baptist homes when it was founded in 1913. From that very first service, that first day that they brought in the first two residents in a rented home, Psalm 71 was on the wall as a reminder of this lesson. It is the biblical foundation for this ministry. You know, what's interesting is as I read this psalm, although the conditions that the writer was facing, the fear and the apprehension, that really hadn't changed. What had changed was the writer's perspective, his perspective reminding him of God's goodness and faithfulness. They're all gonna, we're all going to have days where we're going, God, do you care? God, are you there? Can you hear me? Most of you are too old to remember busy signals on the landlines, but you still get them on the cell phone. It goes to voice messages. You know, you know God, are, are, are you getting my voicemails? Okay. We, we wonder that. Let me assure you that Scripture tells us God is in control. And those times of waiting have a purpose and a plan. Whether or not, we understand things, we can trust in God. You know, for example, the concerns wrought by a coronavirus or a national unrest, I hear that there might be a little bit of that around. Sometimes it's the fear of dying. When Whatever those anxieties and concerns are, this psalm is the example that we can follow. It goes back to looking back and, and, and asking ourselves the important question, is our life built upon that foundation? How do you know if it's built on that foundation? Well, there's a lot of ways, but one is to ask the question, if you were to die today, do you know for sure that you would go to heaven? Do you know for sure that if God were to say, why should I let you into heaven, that you have an answer? And that answer can't be anything you've done. It's what Christ has done. It's starting on that rock. If you're here this morning, the greatest way you could start 2022 out is making sure that your life is built on the right foundation of God's word of his grace, of his mercy, of his plan for your life. And he has a plan. And he would love to unfold it. And he would love to enter your life and come in and make you a new creation. As pastor said, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things are passed away and all things are new. This is what God will do when we have the right foundation. For those of you who are believers, and yet as believers, we still go through times of doubt and struggle, okay? Because we're human, okay? We have a fallen nature, and, and, and every now and then we just kind of become natural pessimists, okay? For those of you who are struggling, look back to when God is provided. Again, the psalmist gives us that template. He gives us a template of, of going back and go, you know, yeah, God brought us through that. I remember when I prayed for this family member or that concern or this need, and God, God provided. Go back and remind yourself of God's provision. And then be honest before God. Be honest before God. Okay, that, that is so important. Sometimes we're so, we're so bent on looking like what we think we should look like. We're afraid to let people know that, guess what? We, we, we've got hang-ups. We've got concerns. We're not perfect. Newsflash. There's not a perfect person in this room. Newsflash. 
every person here today is a sinner. And the reality is we all mess up and we need to go to God with that. Isn't it amazing how often we go everywhere but God? So let's resolve this year to, to go with, to God with our needs. But then also, let's make sure we give God the praise. And that's what we see in this author's resolve here at the end of the chapter is how he gives God the praise. As I conclude, Baptist Homes and Healthcare Ministries, is, we're not the church. We don't replace what is happening here. But you know what it is? Amazing, amazing ministry. You know, I think of the coronavirus, and when I was here last November, who would have ever thought we were still going to be talking about it 12, 13, 14 months later? But you know, as long-term care facilities all across America shut down, I've been in nursing homes that they haven't had church services for the residents for now two years almost. You know, at Baptist Homes, we never once stopped having church services. Why? Because we have campus pastors in every single location who are NAM certified chaplains who, who serve and we, we, they're on our payroll because we, we want to have that presence. And the chaplain's job is to connect not only the residents to their local churches, but also to provide for the soul care. So it's really cool. We are different. Our, our values are very different. We are a sanctity of life ministry. We hold to the sanctity of life and we believe that every person has a purpose, that God has created every person in his image. We value life. But also, it's a place where we want to encourage and challenge people to grow. You know, the reality is probably not too many people when they're in their 40s, 50s, and 60s are going, you know what, when I get older, I really want to go to a nursing home. Okay. Any of you? Uh, okay. Now, isn't that, that kind of true, isn't it? We don't, we don't really think that's going to happen, but there, will, there may come a time, not automatically, but there may come a time that you just need a little bit more care than you can do, or you just might want to live in an environment where you don't have to worry about the laundry or anything like that. You, you, whatever the reason, there may come a time, and nobody really wants to be there, but guess what? That physical presence of being in Baptist homes doesn't mean that God is done with you. We want people to understand this, they still need to grow as disciples in the Lord. They still have a purpose. They still have ministry to be accomplished. And there is still kingdom work for them to do. And I'll tell you what, that's what separates us from most senior care centers is because of that philosophy of value. I'm also really pleased to say that we've got a great group of leaders. Brother Phil, every one of our administrators is in church this week and will be next week and the week after and the week after. I'm sad to say that there was a time when that wasn't true. But God is doing something with Baptist Homes and Healthcare Ministries. And we are really committed to being a ministry that serves the church and is here for you. Yes, as I said, we're not the church, but we want to partner with the church in being able to help and provide not only education and advocacy for those who will never, ever be in our buildings but we also want to be here as a resource for you. Five verses after sharing his fear of abandonment, the writer in Psalm 71 declares, but me, I will hope always. The hope that we have is the same hope that he had in God's grace and mercy. As we move into our time of invitation this morning, it may be that 
the Lord has spoken to your heart about how you're beginning this new year off. It may be that this would be the year that you need to start with an assurance that your, your life is built on the right foundation. Pastor Phil and others will be here to talk about what does that look like from Scripture. How do we build our life on the right foundation? It may be that you need a church home. One of the mileposts for my wife and I has been finding that church home where we can grow and we can serve and we can use our gift, talents, and abilities for the glory of God. I'll tell you what, you, I've never, hear me, I've never once in my life ever met a joyful, lazy Christian. Hear me, I've never once met a joyful, lazy Christian. I'll tell you what, if, you want, if you're missing out joy in your life, it means probably you're missing out on service to the Lord. And it may be that there is a ministry that you need to be involved in here so that that joy will be able to be lived out so that you have that testimony to look back in and say, yes, here is how God has been using me. So that when those hard times come, you can look back and say, yes, my life is built on the right foundation. Yes, I have testimony of God's activity in my life. And yes, he's going to get me through these uncertain times. Father, as we now move to this time of decision, I would pray that you would speak to our hearts, speak to our minds, and Lord, let us not allow any distractions to hinder us from the decision that you would have us make. Lord, may 2022 be a year that we do build our lives upon the foundation of your word, that Lord, we, we truly are able to look back and say, yes, God has been faithful, and that, Lord, this will be a year that we are known for giving you praise and honor in our lives, service, and ministry. Lord, be with us now as we have this time of invitation in Christ's name. Let's stand and sing together just as I am without one plea. Just as I am without one plea, but that thy blood was shed for me, and that thou bid me come to thee, O Lamb of God, I
I know a little bit about Miss Debbie uh, and her parents and what she's up here praying for. I know that, and we, we all have uh, aging parents, and I, I so appreciate. And, you know, we're aging. Uh, for some of these youth, I thought about them. They were like, this is the furthest thing from my mind I could ever imagine. I'm 15, 16, 17. You'll be 51 one year soon. You'll be, how old are you, 74? No, I'm <laughs> Feels like it. Hey, no, I'm just kidding. Or you'll reach his father's age, if the Lord willing, at 87 or 8, and these things will become more and more relevant to you. Uh, but the Baptist home life, again, thinking about discipleship and growing in faith, we've had people come to know Christ that are in the Baptist home. They come into the Baptist home, and they're lost. And because of the preaching of the word and the gospel of the Lord Jesus, they, they come to faith. So we're, we're thankful for that. There's much more that I know Dr. Harrison would like to share with you. We're going to do that in a few weeks on a Sunday night. All right? Okay. Cassie? Uh, this is Cassie. Come on up here. She's scared. I don't blame you. Hyman. And uh, she knows Jesus as her Lord. She's following believer's baptism. And she's coming today by statement to be a member of First Baptist Church Ozark. All right? So we... Um, She's already been plugged in and serving, but we thank the Lord for bringing her to First Baptist Ozark. All right, and then, don't leave me, we've got the Powell family. Y'all come on up here. This is Greg and um, wife Becca, and then we have Ava, Ethan, Ethan, and Aaron. All right, this is the Powell family. Uh, they've been here a long time. As a matter of fact, they've been here so long, we ought to just, by common law, say that they're, they're members <laughs> But we appreciate them. They come from a sister uh, Baptist church, and they desire to transfer their letter here. Uh, they've all taken the new members class, and so we welcome the Powell family uh, into church life at FBCO. Amen? Amen? God bless you. All right. So we'll have all of you go back there toward Don, and people can kind of halfway greet y'all going out the door. And so y'all can move that way. Uh, so glad to, if you haven't heard Ava play her harp, you need to hear that, all right? Amen. I told her she's going to play that at my funeral, all right? Uh, amazing Grace with the harp, amen? So, uh, no service tonight, uh, no service Wednesday. Next Sunday, we're back in Ephesians, and I'm ready to roll. We're going to talk about there's but one body and one spirit that belongs to the hope of our calling. Look forward to entering into that part of the Word of God regarding the truth of the scripture. So God bless you. Happy New Year. Uh, honored to be your pastor. We look forward to what God is going to do in 2022. Amen. Amen. Did I miss anything? Y'all grabbing your coats. All right. God bless you. I hope the Chiefs win, right? All right. God bless you. Hey, as we go, let's say this. Uh, we'll be a church ready for you. Like a bride waiting.